Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for tuning in today. Maybe you're listening on podcast. Thank you for doing that as well. Always glad to uh, have Guide Talk here for an extended amount of time. We're going to do another 30 minutes, which means plenty of time for your questions. Send them over, 877-933-2484. Jeff Verdorn and Tom Parrish are here with me in studio. And here is my first question in this extended 30 minutes. Go for it. What, I'm looking at your direction already, Tom Parrish, what are the questions that should be asked when looking for a new church? Well, what you want to do, one of the things I recommend to people is, people have websites now, but the websites are fairly generic. Um, un- unless you open it up and they were actually saying something biblically negative. When you go to that church, what I often try to do, I want to listen to what the, the leadership of that church is saying. How often do they really talk about Jesus as Redeemer? How often do they really talk about the authority of Scripture? How often do they talk, talk about dying to yourself and being a disciple and making disciples out of others? If I'm not hearing those things on a regular basis, if I'm hearing about programs and, you know, we need you here to help support the program, I'm leery at that point. Okay. You want some, you want uh, teachers and people of the word that will help you become who you're meant to be in Christ, not simply, as Jeff had mentioned earlier, an audience, but people that are fully equipped. Hmm. So that's what I look for in a church. Let me ask you part two, uh, Tom Parrish. Also, who should you be talking to in the church about this? Well, I always talk, when I go to another church, I'll always talk with a pastor if I get a chance. I'll actually ask questions, not rudely, not to put anybody on the spot, but just clarification questions from what I heard. If I can't get to the pastor, uh, I most always can get to some kind of a leader in the church to talk to. And most church websites now list who their leaders are. They're the pastor, the other people. You can email them and ask them some questions. Keep the tone civil. Ask the questions. See what kind of response you get. And that response will tell you a great deal about what they actually believe and do as a group. A pastor friend of mine started a church plant a number of years ago. And on his first Sunday, somebody came up after an older lady and she said, Pastor, I only have one question for you. Do you preach the blood of Christ? And he said, yes, ma'am, I do. And I think our one criteria that when we go to a church, do they preach the word of God? Do they preach the full counsel of the word of God? Do they stand firmly on the word of God? You can look at their statement of faith, but you know what I found? I've, I'm kind of a collector of statement of faith. I've looked at a lot of them for many different ministries. Evangelical organizations have all tended to to flow into the same model. We have the same eight points pretty much, and that's good. I mean, we, we, we agree on that, and we can have unity sure. on those eight points. But are they really preaching the word of God, or is it just lip service? Well, it's how is this fleshed out in life, in the church teaching, in preaching, in the fellowship? I'm in a battle with—that's not a kind word. I'm in an argument with the church right now back in Ohio that has a member of that church who I've known who has uh, MS. He's 41, veteran. Nobody from that church comes over to pray with him. 
they haven't done any kind of fundraiser to help hmm. him. He's $125,000 in debt for medical reasons right now. His wife is sick. And I have called and I have challenged the pastor there many times. Why aren't you going over there? Why don't you go over and pray with him? Why don't you do this? He only wants to save souls. Now, I see that's a problem. If we are only focused on one aspect of the gospel and we're ignoring the body of Christ, we're not fulfilling the whole mission. So like you're saying, we want the whole context of God's word. And uh, I hope that pastor is listening. Go pray with him. You know, go talk to him. Mm -hmm. All right. Here's a question. For 20 years, I attended a church that was a diluted form of Christianity, very liberal, and at times teaching was not biblical. It served my needs for a season in my life, though, and I was in love with the church family. I stopped attending in a process of discernment and search for spiritual growth. I now attend an online Bible study and a home church. I love it, and I've grown in my faith and knowledge, but it's not a congregation, and I miss that. Thoughts? Well, the fellowship of other believers is very important. Do not forsake gathering together this fellow, this concept of fellowship. Uh, Tom, you mentioned it earlier. In the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. So that aspect, that fellowship aspect, is very important. I know a number of people who have had similar situations where they were in churches that were less than biblical. Some had really good motivation that, oh, I'm going to change the church, I'm going to talk to the senior pastor, I'm going to get them more biblical. Every single one of them was not successful in their efforts and eventually ended up leaving the church, everyone. Um, So I I don't know that that's truly possible. Um, But you can attend an online church and have other fellowship with other believers. It doesn't have to be in the formal church environment. Find other believers that you can meet regularly and do, quote-unquote, church together, do mm-hmm. fellowship together. Well, this individual said that—I'm uh, is this? I'm sorry, the woman said this? Was it a lady who wrote this in? Maybe I'm— I don't that. know the, the gender. Okay, it, here's what it comes down to. The early church, the church was the homes, were the homes. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a big cathedral building. They didn't have 300, 400, 500 people showing up. It was the home church. This— a uh, person who wrote in said they're already in a home church. They are in the church, and I have no question about that. Now, when you're in a home church, you don't get the expanded opportunities you do in a larger church. But right now, if that home church is preaching the word, they're taking care of one another, they're helping each other grow in their faith and discipleship, I would say praise God because you got more than a lot of people do, and that's healthy. Mm. All right, gentlemen, how do you stop or destroy a, a generational-type curse and how do you prevent it from hurting another generation in my family i am aware of five generations who have been sexually assaulted my grandma my mom me three of my children and my four-year-old granddaughter i feel like it's my fault well first of all that's you're talking one of the toughest things there is to deal with in the universe so i'm not going to say it's your fault being aware of it though What you need to do is right now, and and even with those kids, start being honest about this is wrong behavior. Mm. This shouldn't have happened. Confronting the people when you can who did this and tell them this is no longer acceptable. uh, And the next, if they try anything ever again or whatever. I mean, I have had people literally go back to the people that molested them and confront them. And I've gone with them. And no, it's not a pretty scene, but it breaks the curse when they come back in the name of Jesus. I am here to forgive you. 
but you have to own responsibility for what you've done. And many won't own that responsibility, but the power is broken. And so oftentimes the power exists by Satan in silence. Let's keep it as dark and silent as we can. So even to write in about this, I admire this person saying this. This takes a lot of courage. A lot of courage. So you've already taken the first step. Now the next step is to surround yourself with people that will support you. And maybe there's a place where you've got to take uh, another Christian with you or whatever and confront some of this uh, in your family. Because silence is what allows it to continue, and that's how curses work. Once it's exposed to the light, it usually ends and sometimes people have to go to jail as a result for what they've done, especially to minors. Yeah, I mean, sin loves the darkness. Um, so you want to expose sin with light. If you are in a situation or a, you know of a situation, expose it to the light and uh, let the chips fall where they are. And, and like you said, Tom, some people might end up in jail because you, you, we should, as believers, we should never fear from calling good, good and evil, evil. And this is one of these sins that I think is hidden and people know about it and they, they, they don't want to admit it or they don't want to bring it to the light. And they just, they help the per, they enable the person by hiding it. And I, I think that's a mistake. I think you need to expose it. Number one, but two, uh, let's talk about kind of the one of the aspects of this question is, is this a generational curse, like some kind of spiritual power that is over generation after generation after generation? Or is this something that is is a behavior that is learned? You grew up in it. You uh, you then repeat that behavior. It's kind of an adult child of an alcoholic. You, you know, oftentimes the children of alcoholics become alcoholics. They've learned this behavior. And so I don't, I don't know if it's an actual spiritual force in the form of a curse that's causing this behavior or whether or not it's it's learned behavior. I came out of this environment. I was abused. I'm going to abuse. But it can't. The breaking it is getting it into the light. I agree. In my 45 years of ministry, uh, I usually don't say this very much. I've I've actually turned into the police for pedophiles hmm. because that is something that will not be tolerated. Even confidentiality doesn't work when you're molesting children. We have a responsibility to protect them. And a legal responsibility, A legal by the responsibility, way. but I think even a bigger uh, spiritual responsibility. And I've turned them into the police, and uh, some of them have had to go to court and been adjudicated. Yeah. We'll take a little break, a little more guide talk when we return. Let me know what questions you might have, 877-933-2484. Be right back. Thanks so much for listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. If you enjoy what you're finding here, consider subscribing to some of our other Faith Radio podcasts, like mine, for instance. You can search Susie Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to an extended version of Guy Talk. Power panel is Jeff Verdorn, Pastor Tom Parrish. All right, gentlemen, here is a question. This is in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. It says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, 
so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Mm-hmm. Is the word referring to the Bible, Jesus as the word, or in general God's plans? When talking to non-believers, I try to incorporate Scripture because I believe that God's Word never comes back void. Would love to hear your thoughts. Totally agree. Um, there are I've read a number of apologetic type of books where um, a, the writer tries to reach the person um, and 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 reason with them to show that God is reasonable kind of discussion, but they won't use any Bible passages or any of the Word of God because I think, and I think I know why, because the person doesn't believe in the Word, uh, they don't believe it's the Word of God, and so on. So they don't use it. However, I believe God's words have power, mm-hmm. and that when we preach the gospel, for example, the gospel that Paul reveals to us in Scripture in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, Paul says that it comes along with power and deep conviction of the Holy Spirit. God's power is unique. It's not the or- the words of man. It's it, it are They are the oracles of God. And so I agree with the premise of the question completely that we should use God's word whenever possible. I agree too. And I think it is, it's kind of like uh, somebody says to me, is, would say to me, are, are you a father? Yes. Are you a son? Yes. Are you a husband? Yes. Yes. And we use all of those things. We look for the opportunity as the Holy Spirit opens it in somebody's heart so that we, sometimes he brings a scripture to share. Sometimes he speaks through that scripture to our heart so that in just normal language, we can talk to that person. And you studied that scripture and you had it in your mind, so you could use it. You've got to get it in there. And I think this is the problem with, with the internet today and with the plethora of ways we can go to the Word, people aren't memorizing it like they used to. Mm. The more you get the Word in you, the more the Holy Spirit can pull it out. And that's what I want to do with people. Um, It's much easier for me to be able to say to somebody or ask them a question, well, tell me, you know, you've made, you think this, 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 you know, why did Jesus say this? Why does he say that you should forgive your enemies? Have you ever thought about that? Mm. Now, am I quoting Scripture? Yes, but I'm putting it in the form of a question to where the individual thinks they have, first of all, control. But now they can actually start to respond to it. And in those moments, honestly, folks, they tell me more about themselves than they ever realize. And it opens up a door to continue the conversation. You know, my, all my three kids went to a Christian school. And the, they memorized passages every week all throughout their education. And the first verse that they memorized, I think it was in kindergarten even, was, I have hidden your word in my heart yeah. that I might not sin against yeah. you. Mm. So you have, a, you have a kid in studio right now. I wonder if he could do it. I do. Do you remember memorizing that verse, Sam? I do remember memorizing that Yeah, well, I just said it. I'm going to ask you if you still have it memorized, but I just said it, right? I do have that memorized. Let's hear it, Sam. (laughs) I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Also, They also (laughs) had to memorize Luke 2, the Christmas story. And every Christmas, I actually ask all my kids to recite all of Luke 2. Fantastic. Who goes first? Sam. That one's a little bit rusty. <laughs> that, one's, that one's always the longest one. Sarah helps the guys out, the two boys. Sarah, Sarah yeah, Sarah's really good. Mm-hmm. She's got it down. All right. Yeah. Here's a question. When praying, does it have to be verbal? And no, it doesn't. The Lord can hear you in, internally as well as externally. Um, when I pray with people, I'm verbal so that they can hear as we pray together. 
Uh, in small groups, it's always nice when people pray out loud or when they have large group gatherings. But in terms of the individual, no, you can pray either way. However, if you are being tempted and you are being bugged by something or you feel like, you know, this is really coming after me, get verbal and pronounce the name of Jesus right over where you're Amen. at and speak out loud. Do not be like them. He's talking of the Pharisees who are praying with many words and on the street corner and so on. For your father knows what you need mm-hmm. before you ask him, mm-hmm. uh, Matthew 6, verse 8. So if God knows what you need before you even ask him, you can pray verbally out loud. You can pray in your mind and in your heart. Uh, either way, God knows. We, I often describe it, you know, remember the hotline that the President of the United States had with the, pres- the Premier of the Soviet Union? It was that red phone that if you picked up, it would immediately ring in the Kremlin or, or vice versa. We have one of those phones directly <clears throat> to the throne of God, and we can use it anytime we want. We can come before his throne of grace with confidence. And I always tell people there are two words never spoken in heaven. Guess what? The Lord already knows. <laughs> That's right. All right. Here's another interesting question. We're talking about having a glorified body. We've done that on the show. But if someone is uh, eternally separated into the lake of fire when they go into that place, do they have physical bodies? Like we will have glorified bodies in heaven. So there, there is described in Revelation the first resurrection. That is the resurrection unto life. And that body is described in Scripture. Uh, that is a body that 1 Corinthians 15, for example, calls immortal and imperishable, a spiritual body. This one is the, this is the body that we will dwell in forever and ever. Jesus is the only one to be resurrected to his glorified body. So when he came out of the tomb, he's the firstborn of all creation, the first to be resurrected, the first to be glorified. And just as he has been glorified, Scripture tells us that so too we will be glorified. Um, So Jesus' resurrection appearances are actually one of the evidences that we have of what our glorified body would look like. He was touched. He was recognized. He was felt. He ate oh, hey, we get to eat for all of eternity in our resurrected body. I think that's really good news. The second resurrection is a resurrection unto death. It's a resurrection. They are. It says that the lost or the dead are resurrected and brought before the great white throne judgment and then thrown into the lake of fire. Their body is not described at all. So uh, it, it, we have zero passages on describing that body. Um, I don't really think it matters what form you come in when you're thrown into the lake of fire. As Tom, as you mentioned earlier, you don't want to go there. I agree. It's bad news. Stay out of the place if at all possible. Cry out the name of Jesus every chance you can. And I'm serious about that because I've been with so many people at the moment of death. And that is where I watch people cry out the name of Jesus for Hmm. their first time in their life. It's a magnificent moment. And guess what? The Lord is there. And how beautiful is that? And There's thank, nothing like it. Thank God that their heart opens at that time. It's amazing. And that God meets them in that moment and and rescues them. And they death. will inherit the kingdom of God just like someone who believed and worked for the kingdom their whole lives. And they have as much right to be there as the rest of us do because we're all there by the grace of Jesus. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. So when Jesus shares in Matthew 22 what is the greatest commandment, 
Um, why, what, what do you think is the rationale behind this proclamation? Well, I think part of it is is pretty simple. He's in the context. There are Pharisees there, mm-hmm. you know, and Sadducees. They had six hundred and thirteen laws. They based their entire relationship with Yahweh on obeying the law, and they put burdens. Jesus said on the people that the people couldn't carry with these laws. Jesus says, "No, you've missed the point of the law altogether. The point of the law was to not only show us our sin, but to build a relationship with the living God. So, how do you do that?" Well, there are two commandments. Love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and body, and love your neighbor as yourself. When you do these two, he says, you have fulfilled the whole law. And I think that's the problem. I see too many people wanting to go back to the law because they want the security of the law. I don't want the security of the law. I want the security of Jesus. And that's what he says. You know, I described the law in the Old Testament, um, and all those commands was God's way of setting Israel apart. He gave them a set of laws to follow so that they wouldn't be like the other nations to do all these immoral things and to treat others in a bad way and so on. He wanted them to be different and to stand out, and that was the law. The law also convicts people of their sin before God. So now on this side of the cross— We no longer live by the law, which Paul declares very clearly in a number of places in the New Testament, but we live by the Spirit. So he says, if you live by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desire of the flesh. So he has set apart Christians in this world who live by the Spirit and not by the law like Israel did in the Old Testament. But you're right. You, You mentioned this. The passage goes on to say that all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Look, Romans 5 says that the righteous requirements of the law has been fully met in us yeah. who believed in Jesus. And he's like, man, he sees me as someone who's obeyed the law perfectly my whole life. And how can that possibly be? It's because Jesus did just that, and I am in Christ. All right, we just have a couple of minutes left. What are your thoughts on Damar Hamlin and the millions of people who have been praying for this young athlete who had a cardiac arrest on the field Monday night? I think it's a gift for the people from the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, he's dealing with Damar in his own way, and maybe a gift for him in the long run. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But you look at all those football players who are making millions of dollars, have what most people want and all the fame on their knees, and there are a lot of tears. That whole stadium, most people didn't leave. They sat there for quite a while, and I saw a lot of people praying in the stands. I see them praying on the air, on networks of all things. It tells me that when push comes to shove and we finally have to stand and look at death, we know what's really important Mm. because eternity is built in our heart. Mm. I think our country just got a glimpse of what is really important and that this life comes to an end. You know, there's about 8 billion people on this world. I don't know how many billions of people who have walked the face of this earth since the beginning of time, but they all have one thing in common, and that is death. Uh, Death comes to all men. And that question that we were actually talking about earlier, what happens when you die? You better think about that because it's going to come to everybody. This is not doom and gloom. This is reality. Uh, death comes to every single person, and it is appointed for men once to die and then face judgment. So I think our country got a good glimpse of and saw how believers respond to it differently than the world as All well. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much. That wraps up an extended version of Guy Talk. We'll take a break and come back. Susie Eller, her new book, Prayer Starters.
It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the Afternoon Show with Bill Arno. When we face hard times, some of us uh, lean into God, some of us kind of shy away from God, because maybe we don't know how to talk to Him about how we're feeling. We've got battles, and we don't know exactly how to go about it. Susie Eller is my guest. She's written a book called Prayer Starters, talking with God about hard times. Susie, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, and I, the premise that you know people shy away from God when they feel beat up, that's all too common, isn't it? You know, it is. I talked with about 200 women right before I was writing this book, and whether they were new in their faith or they had walked with the Lord for a long time, they said that prayer sometimes felt really complicated, especially when they needed to talk to Him most. What I love about uh, your book, as I'm just glancing through it, is you do have 90 prayer starters that will begin a conversation, maybe that you've been longing for. Yeah. You know, recently I had a a loved one that was going through a really hard place. And when he called, he said, you know, Susie, I just, I can't find the words to say that I need to talk to God. And one thing that I I sent him was just a series of 3 a.m. prayer starters, things that he could reach for at 3 a.m. That was the power of God's Word but also that led him to be able to say the things that were on his heart and to just um, be able to, to talk with God about the things that mattered most to him. Mm-hmm. I'm just open to uh, prayer starter number 41, if I may, Susie. I'm just going to read sure. it. That one is called Meet Me in the Fire. Heavenly Father, you don't throw me into the fire. Instead, you meet me in the fire. That That's how it's possible that I make it through. It is in the fire that I discover you are real. It is in the fire that I turn to you and find comfort, courage, and direction. It is in the fire that you teach me how to endure. My faith grows, not because of this fiery trial, but because I discover who you are despite what I'm going through. Lord, trials like this test my faith, but you always pass the test, and that holds me tight. Thank you for meeting me in the fire. Yeah. That's a lovely prayer starter. Well, you know, whenever I became a believer, I wasn't raised in church at all. And I looked around and I saw that there was this intimacy that others seemed to have. And I wanted it too, Bill. I wanted to not only talk to God, but I wanted to believe that He would speak back. And when I went into the Word, I began to understand that While there are a lot of ways that God speaks to us, the Word is one of those things. And the scripture for that is James 1.4. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And that scripture came out of a place that said when you're in that place of trust and you don't know what to do and you're bowed down under the crush of the weight on you, that God would meet you in that place, that you're not alone. And so for me, um, as I began to just say, Lord, I want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. I know that I can, and I know that you listen. I felt like that maybe I had to be eloquent or that I had to have perfect words or 
a perfect formula. But what I found out is that I could be raw and messy and honest and, you know, just say what was on my heart. And these prayer starters came out of those places in the Word where I just felt God asking me to slow down Mm -hmm. um, so that I could not only see what He was saying, but I could hear what He was saying and put that in my everyday life. Mm -hmm. Susie Eller is my guest. Her book is called Prayer Starters, Talking with God About Hard Times. Susie, what is uh, contemplative prayer? You know, I, I just call it a deep breath of prayer. Okay. It is, it is a, there are a lot of definitions for that, but it is resting in prayer. Um, we often come to prayer and it feels like there is this pressure. And so I want to take that pressure off from the very beginning. Matthew 6, 8 says he knows what we need before we even ask. So when I come to prayer, maybe I don't have the words to say. Maybe I can't even clarify it for myself. But I remove the pressure because God already knows what I need before I even ask. So whether I come and I'm able to say those words, or whether I come and I just soak in His presence, I can remove the pressure and take a deep breath of prayer and rest in that relationship and in what He has to say to me in that moment. Mm-hmm. Susie, I always love starting prayer time with the Lord just by reading a psalm or or quoting yeah. scripture back to Him. I, I usually like I usually like when He starts the conversation. Um, so, what is a creative way that we can use scripture uh, to talk with God about our current circumstances? Sure. You know, sometimes sometimes the the word, sometimes scripture, can become a word prayer. Uh, one of the things that many said that kept them from prayer was shame. Maybe it was something as small as they just made a mistake the day before, or maybe they're carrying things from their past. And a creative way to pray is to take a word picture. For example, we see the prodigal son, and he is walking toward home because he has no place else to go. He is hoping upon hope that maybe he can be a servant in his father's house. And we see the father at a distance who sees his son coming home, and he pulls up his robe. And in an undignified manner, Hmm. this respectable, authoritative man puts it all to the wind and runs toward his son because he's finally coming home. And, And I think about that in prayer, Bill. I think... When shame tries to lie to me and say, why would you even pray? You're not worthy. And I think, well, prayer is not really about me at all. It's about the character of God. And when I come home, when I go towards home, towards hope, towards healing, my Father meets me there. But not only does He meet me there, He's delighted and runs toward me. And so there's one creative way to pray. I like that. Uh, Susie, um have you yourself been in a, a challenging season of life, and yeah. how how have you know prayer starters helped you in your everyday communication yeah. with God? I have journals and journals and journals okay. of just scripture where, for a moment, I felt stay here for a, a moment, Susie. You know, just stay here, soak in what this has to say, and then I turned around that into prayer. Um, Over the last three years, 
Um, I went through breast cancer for the second time. I lost my beautiful younger brother to cancer. Uh, it has been a season of of loss and of grief. But there were times, like in Psalm one forty five fourteen, where it says, "The Lord uh, upholds those who fall, and He lifts up those who are crushed or those who are bowed down." And in that dark place, in that hard place where I was battling, I stopped at that scripture and I saw that that meant that the Lord upholds. He is a strong place, a stable place for those who have fallen down, who feel like they can't get up on their own. And he lifts up not only into comfort, but into life, those who are crushed under that weight. And again, just seeing the character of God in a hard season and knowing where to turn and knowing that it's not all on me and that he lifts me up not only to stand on my shaky legs, but he lifts me up into comfort, into life, allows me to turn around and say, Lord, I am in a place where I can't fix this and it is hard, but this is who you are in this place and this is what you do in this place. And so, Lord, I trust you, I lean into you, I turn to you, and I trust you right now, right where I am. And so just time after time after time, prayer starters have brought me into the character of God and the, and the knowledge of who he is, and it's allowed me to lean in when I needed him most. Mm. Susie, it's a beautiful first step. Sometimes, if you're like me, when you go to prayer, when you start, you feel overwhelmed. Yeah. And you almost think, where do I even begin? And of course, I always go yeah. to Scripture because I, I want to pray Scripture back to God and praise Him. But sometimes a little starter is a very helpful thing to get to get going. Yeah, it is. And, you know, if somebody were to ask me, if I were to answer the question I asked years ago as a young believer saying, I just want to talk to God, I, I want to know what that looks like. I would have said to myself, and I say it now, just show up, (laughs) just show up. And when we just show up to talk to God on a daily basis, when we just make room in our life, not as a schedule, not as a formal, not as a to-do, but as an understanding that prayer is just a series of raw, honest, messy conversations with God that change us, that bring us hope. And so just show up is our first step. Mm-hmm. I like that. When I'm looking at your book, Prayer Starters, talking with God about hard times, I know all of this, all of us have hard times, and many uh, have expressed that today on the text line. I've gotten a number of people mm-hmm. asking for prayer requests, which I will be uh, doing tonight, uh, praying for some of these uh, prayer requests that have, that have come in. And I, I have a feeling a lot of people have anxious thoughts And number 77 prayer starter says, Heavenly Father, I am anxious. Thank you for allowing me to say that to you. You know that these are not worries. uh, You know that these are not worries about what might happen someday, but the experience of where I I am. Thank you that you are my shield. Thank you that there is a reward in knowing you. I may be in the fire, but the flames don't consume me. I may be in a valley, but you lead me to living water. It's just a a beautiful place to start. Yeah, well... One of the things that I have learned about prayer is that if we don't talk to God about something, it it makes a room inside of us. 
that when we take the time and we share those anxious thoughts with God, when we're when we just again just show up, then they don't have that room inside of us anymore. He is able to step in to that place and take up residence. And so tell God all the things. If you go into the Psalms, because you mentioned that earlier, what I love about David and the psalmist is they literally said all the things. They spoke out of their pain, and they also spoke out of their promise. Mm -hmm. So, Susie, what happens when you maybe even find yourself comparing your prayer life to others? Yeah. Well, I would say that God created about um, 70,000 different distinct types of butterflies, and that is one part of creation. And what I know about God is that He is a unique, creative God, and He created you to be you. And so show up and be you. You know, I'm not going to pray like you, Bill, and you're not going to pray like me. But we don't have to, and that's that's not the goal. Mm-hmm. So you be you. I love that analogy of butterflies. How many did you say, roughly? Uh, around 70,000. Wow, that's beautiful. I know there's like 20,000 species of worms. If I was God right. after about three, I'd go, all right, that's enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and you think about the creativity that he put into just one thing right. that is part of creation. And, and yet we look at our brother or sister and we think, I have to be like her or I have to be like him. And you don't have to be anybody but you. I like and that. when I show up, I'm just, I'm bringing all of me, all of my experience, all of my background. But the, the common thing, the, the one thing that we can all stand on is God is God. And that's the unchangeable aspect there. Mm-hmm. Susie Eller says, as you talk to God every day, every day he meets you in the hard place. And he does that indeed. We'll take a little break. When we come back, continue our discussion with Susie Eller. If you have a question for her, let me know what it is. 877-933-2484. And her book, again, is called Prayer Starters, Talking with God About Hard Times. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Welcome back to the show. Susie Eller is my guest. Her book is called Prayer Starters, Talking with God About Hard Times. Susie, I, I'm thinking of the differences between men and, and women when it comes to as far as struggling in prayer. Is there a difference? Mm-hmm. And do, does one struggle more than the other? You know, I don't think so. Okay. Um, right now, my husband's going through this book with me. And it's been interesting to note that this man of God that I've loved for 40 years, who um, has followed Christ for all of his life, just said that there are times that he struggles to find the words or that he feels like that prayer has to be a certain way, in a way that was really comforting, because this is someone that um, I respect his faith and I respect his heart. And it just shows me that we all, at times, though we love God with 
all our heart, uh, sometimes there is a pressure there that can keep us away from prayer. And, you know, recently I was asking myself why. Um, why is that? And I thought, is it because we're human? But then I realized that there was a deeper concept to this. Um, John 10.10 says there's a thief that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And when we go to prayer, we find hope, we find insight, we find direction, we find power uh, to live our faith. We find so much that changes us as a person and as a believer. And why wouldn't the lie be that faith is too hard or that we're not worthy or that we have to say it a certain way? What I love about John 10.10 is the rest of that verse, which says, And Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. And so when I think about that moment that I'm struggling and I think, God, last week was hard and I messed up. And I think about that thief and I think, but God, you're exactly where I need to go. You're exactly where I'm going to run to because you came to give life and life to the full. And that's exactly where I'm going to go. And so I, I think we all struggle. But I think the struggle is more on a spiritual basis and maybe bigger than we understand. Mm-hmm. Susie, how do we take prayer and move it from a what might be a formal process to a faith-altering practice? Yeah. So I, I think it, it changes when we understand that God wants to talk to us. Like, He wants to hear our heart. He understands what we need. And more than that, I mean, I stumble over the words sometimes, Bill, just to tell God how much I love him. (laughs) But the fact is he wants to hear that. I'm a grandma of six, um, and they are growing up fast. And I know that there's going to come a time that maybe they're going to be busy. But right now, when I walk into a room They literally run toward me, calling out my name, and they are so excited to see me. And I don't have to do anything but just show up. And I feel like that when we run toward God and we say we are awkward, we might stumble, we might not have the right words, I feel like it delights the heart of God that we do that. That's a beautiful picture. We're smiling here in the studio. We (laughs) We think it's lovely. Um, so thank you for that. I know some people will hear that and, and it will be difficult to hear that because they yeah. might, they might be distanced from their grandkids or not allowed to see them. And that's a, a big, sure. a big pain as well. Sure. It is. And, um, you know, I didn't know my grandparents growing up at all. And so this, this is a big joy in my life, but I think greater is that picture of just being childlike in our faith and knowing that we are always welcome. And isn't that cool? Have you ever sat beside somebody and you know that like their attention is somewhere else, like on the football game or, or on whatever else is going on? But that's not how it is with God. We are always <laughs> welcome. We're front and his, center, aren't we, when we come to Him? We, we are. And, 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 you know, He says in Hebrews 4.16, Come to me boldly. You know, come come boldly before the throne to find what you need. And what I love about that, you dig deep into that, those words mean come with shameless audacity. So come without shame and come boldly because I want you 
to be before me because I have what you need. Mm-hmm. And and again, when I think about that shameless audacity, it feels really bold. It feels really that it's exactly what I prayed for 40 years ago. And it's exactly what I, I believe with my whole heart that I'm invited to do as his child. Mm-hmm. Now, Susie, in your book, Prayer Starters, Talking with God About Hard Times, which is a book with 90 prayer starters. Now, maybe not everyone can get it, so maybe you would help us uh, build our own prayer starter using Scripture. Maybe help us model what it might look like so we can maybe build one of our own. Yeah, well, so again, the word picture that can be really powerful. I thought the other day as I was reading, and um, I was reading in Second Timothy. I'm pulling this right out, right out of the air, so I hope... Second Timothy, I believe it was one seven, and it talked about uh, when you have those anxious thoughts that, or when you feel anxious, that God gives you uh, a, a sound mind. And and I am not, I am not saying it perfectly, but I remember sitting there and thinking, God, what does it mean to have a sound mind? And as I dug a little deeper, what I found is that when I'm anxious about anything, about stepping into ministry, about talking to you, <laughs> you know, about about stepping into anything that God has for me, that what He offers me is peace, and peace that is bigger than anything that can come from my own heart. It's, 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 a, it's an aspect of His peace that gives me calm. It gives me the ability to step into the self-control, the discipline, and the heart of what God has for me in that moment, not in my own power, but in His. Mm-hmm. So just to share a couple of the prayer requests, Susie, that came on the show sure. today. Uh, one is for a son, Robert, that him would that he would know and feel God's love and for a mm-hmm. miracle of healing power. Uh, someone as a husband who praying that his heart is softened and scales will fall from his mm-hmm. eyes. We've got someone who's just got a bum knee, and it hurts. And yeah. I've got a man in jail who has got some medication issues and some schizophrenia mm-hmm. and yeah. um, feels like they need deliverance. And there's all kinds of people right now listening that are thinking, I'd like to add mine in right now. Uh, yeah. But would you, would you pray for these beloved Absolutely. Uh, folks and we can um, get prayer starters going right now? Yeah, Absolutely. Father, the the image that I know you brought to mind in this moment is of Paul, who was absolutely going in the wrong direction, and Lord, you stopped him. You shed light on his heart, and Father, you took this man, and you turned him around. And Lord, not only did you turn him around, but Father, you put his feet on a path, Lord, that not only changed his life, but impacted the lives of many others. And Lord, I pray this over those who, Father, are in a place where their heart is hardened. I pray this over this one who is going the wrong direction and a mama's heart is hurting. Father, I pray over this one who, Lord, needs healing in his body. God, you are the one who meets us where we're at. Lord, you go into the trenches, the highways, the byways. You meet us on the road to Damascus. You meet us in prison. You meet us in the hospital. 
And I pray, Lord Jesus, that there will be an encounter with you that, Lord Jesus, will not only tenderize their heart, heal their body, heal their soul, but, Lord, that there will be a story that comes from this that will point the way to you, God, that their lives will impact others in a powerful, powerful way. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Amen. Susie Ellert, now, I, I thank you that you are encouraging us to not let our hurts or our fears or our doubts keep us from freely talking to God. Thank you. That has made a big difference uh, in today's show. So thank you very much for taking time to be with us. And thank you for your book, Prayer Starters, Talking with God About Hard Times. The best way to get this book, Susie, is how? They can go to SuzanneEller.com. Suzanne. Suzanne with a Z. Okay, SuzanneEller.com. Thank you for that. All right. And thank you for the time today. I appreciate it so much. Bet. Thank you so much. Again, uh, Susie Eller has been my guest. Prayer Starters is the name of her book, SuzanneEller.com. You can learn more about her there. That wraps up our show for the day. Remember of this beautiful passage from Philippians. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I hope you have a wonderful evening. I look forward to being with you tomorrow. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.